Howdy friends and welcome to another episode of Between Players. My name is Zach and today we get to enjoy the presence of my brother and friend of the show, Rob. Say hello, Rob. Oh, hi guys. And Rob and I are going to be talking about uh, the glory that is uh, Just Cause 3. Oh my god, so glorious. So, because I've been able to like have a little bit more time to myself recently or at least at least the first few months of this year i've had some time to like play a few games in isolation i've been able to like bang through stuff a little bit quicker than i have been in the past work's been a, a mixture of being a little less crazy but more difficult mm -hmm. and so playing a game or watching a movie is a good way to like unwind at the end of the day and uh just Cause 3 was something that had shown up in my PSN subscription as a free game. And I was like, well, I played Just Cause 2 on PC and I was happy-ish with it. I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting, but I'm eh, not 100% not in or whatever. And then I installed this and for whatever reason, I took to it like right away. Like the mechanics were super smooth. Uh, all of Rico's moveset and the early tools, you like, you seem overpowered right out of the gate. And um, I just hadn't really experienced that before. And so it was, it was exciting, like it was fun. And so I, I stuck with it. And that's why I had originally, was originally gonna record this show as a single player. And now we've got you uh, to be a sort of like counterpoint balance to that experience but you i mean you should talk about your your history in just cause because we were like pre-chatting earlier and you had already mentioned you know a long a long history with rico yeah i uh, we've had our uh, our starts and stops um our history stretches back but there's definitely some gaps in there i i played the first and second just cause um back when i was still a console gamer um, no offense to all console gamers out there, but after I you graduated to Master Race. Well, it, you know, I had or I had always had my gaming PC, um, but there was a long time between community college and my um, mechanical engineering degree that most of the people in my community were console gamers. So I was like, well, okay. Uh, for the games that I want to play socially, um, I feel like this is a good investment to be able to get um, that social interaction uh, and play these games. So I had, you know, all all the big multiplayers of the times. I had uh, uh, your Halos, I Destiny. I had originally played on the 360, um, and one summer, um, being a poor college student, uh, I had a short list of games that I picked up on sale um, not realizing that they were essentially the same game um, I had two GTA games I had a uh, prototype and I had uh, the first Just Cause game um, next to my um, whatever Modern Warfare flavor was up at the time uh, and then the Halo that was up at the time um, that were all kind of my social games and I, you know, a lot of the time that I spent was 50-50, kind of playing uh, games with other people, 
whether they were campaign or online multiplayers, and then the other 50% um, playing solo. Uh, and I've shifted more towards solo gameplay now that I'm out of college, um, and I've sold off my consoles, and I'm back to the pure, purest of the pure PC gaming master race. Uh, I should mention that that community that you started in uh, college included me. This is true. I I bought a 360. I remember yep. my first. I think it was my first like cool job in Boulder or whatever. I was early in my design career, and you had. Brought, I think you brought the 360 home, and we were playing one of the Call of Duties, the Pacific one. Uh, and you were showing off all the cool stuff on it, and I was like, oh man, like I was totally gripped in the spell mm -hmm. of 360. And this is a small tangent, but. Let's just say that the Xbox 360 was definitely the champ of the last generation. Mm -hmm. It was such a solid piece of hardware, uh, even after its red ring of death explosions. Like <laughs> they treated their customers just so well, and they were so generous to subscribers, yeah. like the gold Xbox Gold members. So, like, I feel like I just ran that thing into the ground. Like I played it constantly. Yeah. And you, due to your uh, Due to your, uh, I don't want to say zealous enthusiasm, I was like, hell yeah, I'm getting a 360. I'm going to play with Rob all the time. Oh, it, it was great. No doubt. No doubt. Like, uh, almost the entire friend group that I built up over um, community college and then through my uh, four year degree were all hardcore, like, straight Xbox gamers. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of, um, it was easy to make quick friends and have uh, a large local community where people could come over and you know they would load up their profile on your box you would play cooperatively in the same room online uh, or you know if you were too lazy to leave your own abode uh, play on the internet it, it was just easy to find a lot of people that were playing it because there's already so many people that were engendered to that platform um, yeah, and I will say as a point of pride that the 360 I bought was a first-gen full wireless 360, and I, I never had a single problem with it. And yeah. at the end of my collegiate career, I in fact uh, sold it to a stranger on Craigslist, and I expect that it is living out its last years in a loving home. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that is a. Uh, it was definitely like a sort of like golden age for the Xbox platform, and hopefully that'll come around again. But mm -hmm. you're saying that you had picked up a stack of these like sandbox adventure games. Yep. And within that uh, bundle of treasure, you came. You had was it both of the first two Just Cause titles? Um, initially, it was just the first Just Cause, um, uh -huh. and I ended up picking up the second one. Um, I, I, if I'm going to be honest, the timeline is completely awash in my memory at this point. Yeah. Um, I know that I picked up the first one initially and I played, I played it in that summer, um, the summer of sandbox games, Yeah. which was a bit of a which... trod, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, but at, of the games that I played, um, the GTAs felt very vanilla. 
the prototype game was fun, but I, I didn't feel like it really did anything that hooked me on the series. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Just Cause was definitely the diamond in the rough of that group. Um, and playing it, I was like, oh, you know, they're doing something different with this um, kind of mechanic. It, you know, I, I know it's not the quote, it's not the same engine, but for lack of a better word, they're basically the same engine at that point. Um, it's uh, a lot of the same construction. The mechanics are very similar. The graphics are right. very similar. Um, with a different coat of paint and a couple different um, mechanic switches, the skeleton, the bones of the game are exactly the same. Yeah, you've got this sort of like wide open series of areas that are interconnected by roads. Mm -hmm. um, you can hijack vehicles, mm -hmm. there are NPCs running around, mm -hmm. there's sort of a military force in all these cases, whether it's like domestic, like police, or it's, you know, like some special army unit, or in the case of the Just Cause series, uh, a weird dictatorship uh, army. Right. Is that is that pretty accurate? And then right. um, in GTA, it's just. Uh, well, I guess you kind of fight everybody, everybody from gangsters to uh, the cops. Um, but uh, yeah, it, they're, they all kind of have that same thing. It's interesting that you point out the summer of Sandbox, because in some ways, like 2018 was sort of the, I don't know, well, 2017, 2018 was, felt like a sort of second coming of that. Mm -hmm. You had like uh, Witcher 3, Horizon, Spider-Man, Red Dead Redemption 2, um just it's just like one massive uh space to explore after another just suddenly just like tumbling out and uh i kind of felt the same way i feel like i've had a sort of mirrored reaction to it as it in this last year as uh you did now sort of like fatigue right mm -hmm. like okay i gotta start like unlocking these areas and getting all the cool new weapons and unlocking the cool new vehicles. But I guess like maybe the appeal, one of the appeals of just cause is that you're not really dependent too much on vehicles and those armaments in quite the same way. Right. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of those things, and this was something that I, I think appealed to me a lot about, um, the Just Cause series is that um, those mechanics still existed. Um, it, you had ground transportation, air transportation, water transportation. Um, you had your little clique of friends that you could go and run missions for that did uh, X, Y, or Z for you. Um, a lot of the same kind of, uh, again, the, the bones are all there. But yeah. the focus of the game was definitely on the protagonist. Uh, Rico and he honestly doesn't really need any of those things at the end of the day like yeah they're convenient they're just yeah they're they're like convenient setups for you to go blow something up basically right and you run challenges on them um, they get you from A to B which I guess still kind of point puts it in the realm of kind of like a GTA game where you're just using those elements to get you from mission point to mission point. Um, yeah. But the thing that uh, just, just Cause 3 ramped up in a very dramatic way was that those things are basically all vestigial. Um, 
Rico has more than enough ability to be mobile to get you from point A to point B without ever having to hijack a vehicle or, you know, an airplane or a seafaring uh, vessel of any kind. He is in and of himself a force to be reckoned with, and he goes where he damn well pleases. And just in case uh, somebody listening to this has never played or seen a Just Cause game, uh, would you mind rattling off some of the amazing equipment that he gets to play with? So um, anyone that has never played a Just Cause series uh, game of any flavor, honestly, uh, having played 1, 2, and 3, I would skip directly to 3. And I say that because A you don't need to play any of the other games to play three there's no build-up that you need to be aware of there's no subplot or previous elements that tie into the current you know the current generation it is uh more or less self-contained and as long as you can jump in as playing um rico the swarthy i'm actually not sure what nationality he's supposed to be but he is a swarthy gentleman you're, you're pretty much good to go. And in JC3, um, they go above and beyond to give you everything you could possibly think of or desire to use. Just on Rico's part, um, you, you still have your grapple reeling launcher, which is the crux of their gameplay going back to JC1. Um mm-hmm. You have a squirrel suit and a parachute, which are infinite use, and you can drop in and out of um, in gameplay at will, which of course makes zero sense practically. Um, but it leads to interesting things like using the grappling hook oh. to drag yourself along the ground fast enough Bro. to pop your parachute in order to Bro. catch air, <laughs> and then dive in your squirrel suit to then again pop your parachute and to catch more catch air. air. Yeah. No, it, yeah. the the action quickly devolves into um, grapple to parachute to squirrel suit to parachute to grapple and back and forth. But this is still within the first maybe 10 to 15 hours of gameplay before you unlock the star, the, the crowning jewel of Just Cause 3, which is, and I kid you not, a, a infinite jetpack, which they call the quote, and I'm not kidding, Air Fortress, which has uh, an unlimited Gatling gun and lock-on unlimited missiles, all controlled by is... cooldown, not ammunition. So basically, you go from being like a really like. Basically, you go from being the video game expression of Vin Diesel in a triple X movie into Axe, spray, Axe Body Spray Iron Man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, not even Axe Body Spray. You you crack just as many horrible dad jokes, uh, puns, and <laughs> it, it's it's ridiculous. Like the the characters are obviously um, caricatures of the characters that they are scripted to be. Everything is blown right. out of proportion. Um, and go if you were to play Just Cause 1 and jump to Just Cause 3, the tone of the game is 
very, very different, at least from my remembrance. Um, Just Cause 1 was... I don't know how else to put it, but it was pretty into itself. Like, it, it thought that it was pushing a pretty hot line. And even playing it as a first-time player of the series, I was like, this game is taking itself way too seriously. Like, mm -hmm. this is definitely... A ridiculous premise with a ridiculous number of elements that are um, non-realistic like they should just go with more of a ah um, oh, darn what is, what is the word for it um, irreverent an irreverent tone yeah it would play so much better to this type of storytelling and in, yeah. in Just Cause 3, they didn't just, like, dip their toes into that. They jumped in the deep end. Yeah, and it seems as though they've invited Michael Bay to be a part of the rewrites. Oh, my God. Because, literally, the game, the first five minutes of the game, just, it invites you to crack open the destructive qualities of your gear. Mm -hmm. it, absolutely immediately like mm -hmm. uh we were talking a little bit before the show about this idea of like you know so this is the second just cause game i've played i played this the just cause 2 on pc a little while back mm -hmm. and just in the 10 hours that i played of it it was super satisfying and almost overwhelming in the sense that you literally just go from point to point on each island uh zip lining to helicopters and finding new and creative ways to blow up giant barrels mm -hmm. and every explosion every piece of destruction like um and like we did we did sort of like slightly discussed before like there's that is probably the piece outside of the the movement mechanics that are unique to just cause the other part of it that it likes to celebrate are explosions mm -hmm. and um unlike maybe its forebearers in the form of red faction mm -hmm. it's not like total world destruction right it's just right. like the jerry bruckheimer destruction there is a fucking refinery every 20 miles on these little islands and they just they're giant fireballs by the end of it it's absolutely hilarious oh yeah um you know there's yahtzee uh, on it, it, oh, Escapist. Yeah, on Esca Escapist, that's right. I was trying to remember the name. Uh, Yahtzee did a bit on this earlier, which I, I thought was absolutely hilarious, where, like, all, all you really have to do is zip from object to object, place mines, zip out, and then detonate them. And that, for the most part, is definitely a true statement. Like, the, yeah. the core gameplay, the, uh, I would say majority of your gameplay mechanics are going to be go here blow these things up and then get out hopefully alive mm -hmm. um so there's there is a lot of that and they definitely play into um the explosions and the uh the fantastic graphics which it is a, it's a beautiful game uh even of itself like even when you load up the game the opening sequence while the game is like loading to get you to the main menu is mm -hmm. Rico sitting on a beach drinking a glass a glass of what I can only imagine is whiskey on the rocks and watching an oil rig explode in the horizon 
that's that how they really introduce you. Summarizes <laughs> the whole aesthetic and attitude of the game. Absolutely. Also. Like absolutely. So how why so like let's say you're trying to pitch this to someone as like a game they want to play. Mm-hmm. What like what what is it that separated it from the pack? Uh, is it is it the kind of culmination of these things? Is this is this why you got more out of it than GTA? You just weren't as engaged in GTA's uh, storytelling mechanics or things right. like that. Um, you know, I think the the biggest thing that got me hooked on this game, um, as opposed to any of its brethren in the same kind of genre, um, was really the mechanics of playing the playing the actual game and this is something that i come back to a lot when i'm talking with people about um, experiences that they've had in gaming um and it's the same with people when you're playing uh, a tabletop game it's are you uh, strategy minded are you action minded um, do you want more story uh, a story driven kind of experience you know everyone is trying to get something out of the game and what it is for you is going to be dependent on what it is that you enjoy um in playing games and for me the plurality of the time is is this game literally fun to play it's not um is the story compelling um am i being challenged tactically um, is there a lot of complexity to the game that keeps me hooked to it? Um, it's Is it just straight up fun to play? Um, I want to be entertained when I'm playing a game. And the rest of the things around it for me are, are kind of secondary. The story can be so-so. Um, the strategy elements don't necessarily need to be there. As long as the game is you know streamline has good action the mechanics are rewarding when you master them mm-hmm. um it takes Which, some... in this game right i think is something to point out like oh yeah in the other games like the so in most of these sandbox games right like they all have basically violence is the is the thing that you do you do yep. violence yep um in a lot of the other games, like especially GTA, there's a there's a bigger emphasis on uh, cover shooting or st- standing in front of people and shooting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Just Cause, you cannot do that. No, um, Rico, especially in Just Cause Three, is very much glass cannon, and you are given some just absurdly powerful armaments that you can roll around with. It will basically take out any opposition you have in front of you, but if you stand still for too long, it almost doesn't matter how much destruction you can reap. Um, You have the same kind of uh, five-star system that -hmm. you see in the GTA games or the other games of this ilk, um, where as you cause havoc, the the man uh, responds in force in like. So when you reach five stars, you have uh, bomber jets, you have Apaches coming after you, you have heavily armored vehicles, tanks, mm-hmm. um, you have heavy uh, 
personnel that are extremely hard to take down with conventional weapons. Later yeah. in the game, again, spoilers for those that haven't played it, um, there are literal battle mechs, like out of... Uh, oh my god. Yeah, it, you didn't play this game long enough. Um, <laughs> like out of yeah, Metal so Gear. If you stopped like me at 10 hours, the message is you should probably keep going because you get to fight Mech Warrior. It, it's insane, and um, through the Rebel Drop system, um, which shouldn't be a spoiler because this happens in the first 10 hours of the game, you can then, at essentially the drop of a hat, have any of these things sent to you mm -hmm. to use on site. So it, if I want to use one of these battle mechs, I can just throw a flare and it gets airdropped to me. That's pretty badass. Yeah, I will. I would like to point that out is that the one of the more interesting little pieces of this arcadey action sim is that like you were mentioning the uh, rebel drop system you whenever you steal a car or a vehicle in the game you can take it to one of your hub towns and in it there's a place for you to essentially park it and when you park it in that place it just gets added to this uh menu of stuff you can auto order it's like a i don't know a conveyor belt sushi except for the conveyor belt of sushi is replaced with uh jet skis and uh apache helicopters and uh uh mig fighters God, you're the worst American ever. It's like a buffet. Oh, God. People I am the worst. On the internet. Um, so oh, you have a buffet of items you can choose from, and they will be delivered to your table for your fat ass to consume on demand. <laughs> conveyor belt? Come on. So, you know, the, the conveyor belt sushi. All right, that's fair. Do that's they fair. have those here? They have them in Austin. Touche, sir. All right, Touche. Well, you know. So there's that. Yeah, we Denverites <laughs> apparently are less sophisticated than we ought to be. Listen, if you're, if somebody is, if a human being is bring, bringing you your food, you're not doing it right. You need to just have the robots wheel it out to you. <laughs> well, don't you worry. Amazon is hot on that case. Yeah. I, I, no time at all. Bezos will have the... The Amazon food delivery system so well dialed in, yeah. it'll know what I want for dinner before I do. With with the billions that he has left over after the settlement, of course. Oh God. Anyways, what I a monster. I do sympathize with your experience, in that um, I, I've definitely seen this in a lot of the titles that I've been playing recently, where ten to fifteen hours into the game and you're kind of still scratching the surface of what the game has to offer um, in terms of depth, mechanics, story, uh, gameplay capabilities. Um, you know, the game, it, it's, it, it feels wrong to say it, but it does feel a lot like a tutorial for mm -hmm. 15, 20 hours that you're putting into a game before you get to the, quote, Game, game that you're playing yeah, yeah it, it's ridiculous and I, I understand that there's an argument to be made to lead people in um, if it's going to be a 40 or 50 or 60 hour investment how much time do you spend acclimating people um, and you want to have some progression so that you're not just dumping people into um, a pool and telling them to swim, and once they figure out how to swim, there's nothing more else, you know, out there for them. 
Unless, of course, you're Dark Souls, which is, I feel like that's, like, the design of the game. Well, and, you know, that is that is the counter-argument, is that there are plenty of examples to point to where mm-hmm. the basics of the game don't really change, and you can pick them up in a couple hours tops, and you can end up investing a stupid amount of time. I'm not going to quote my Dark Souls investment for sh- for my own shame purposes, but um, even something like uh, Warframe. Uh, I picked oh, up yeah. Warframe. I'm well over 80 hours into that game, and having played it, aside from some little um, side questy or uh, logistical aspects of it um asset management uh product development the the resource uh, resource management can be a little annoying familiars stuff like that that you kind of pick up in flight you know the the core aspects of the game you pick up in the first hour or two and 80 hours in it doesn't feel dull i i I still play it and enjoy the hell out of it Mm mm-hmm yeah i'm right there with you well, I guess that's our uh, kind of pitch for why you should pick up Just Cause 3 and give it, you know, a little over 10 to 15 hours worth of love. Um, you know, it definitely, like, I think maybe some of my uh, lack of total engagement, and I'm planning on going back to it anyways, but maybe some of my lack of total engagement was because I was at the heels of a year of these sort of, like, sandbox adventure games I'd been playing. I'd, like, at the beginning of 2018 i wrapped up witcher 3 and then it was horizon zero dawn and spider-man and you know like they were all so big and so good and so much fun i just probably had just reached a you know like a i just reached like a saturation for that type of thing and so i was just looking for some other experience and just cause definitely scratched a lot of itches in a just a very different way and i think it definitely slots itself in between some of these games like it like you said it's like very un i shouldn't say uninterested in its story but the story isn't the thing that anybody cares about in fact if there's if there's anything you could ding just cause 3 for is some of the like some of the way they try to thread plot into it every once in a while just feels annoying like mm-hmm. we both know like there's like this handshake right when you start playing just cause like we both know that this doesn't matter why are you trying to make me care about this right now mm-hmm. like you know it's like either like the irre- the irreverence as you described it is just so ham-fisted most of the time that it's like you could have just started with me getting you know pushed out of an airplane and i never interact with any <laughs> anyone um but they do try to like add in some plot to it that just kind of comes off as feeling like yeah like it's been ta- literally tacked on to the game sure and you know that's uh i would describe that kind of as the social contract like yeah it, there has to be something there uh, they can't you know it's not minecraft they can't just dump you into a world and say go have fun it, there needs to be some kind of structure and progression to it as vestigial as that may be um, to what you're actually doing throughout the course of the game which is zip lining around and or using the jetpack to blow everything up that's in your path <laughs> but yeah and it, you know they spend what I would consider to be the bare minimum of time um, fleshing it out 
in terms of story progression there not a lot really changes you know going back to something like a, a super mario world you are given a singular goal which is to go rescue the princess from the evil clutches of bowser and the entire rest of the game is just working towards that goal mm -hmm. it's it's very similar for just cause 3 you are dumped in with the goal to free medicia mm -hmm. and you work towards that goal the whole time uh, yep every now and again you're told the princess isn't in this castle uh, and every now and again, you are thrown some hurdle that you weren't expecting um, in terms of challenge or game mechanics or what have you. Um, but the overarching mission is introduced and maintained throughout your entire gameplay. And it's very, very simple. It's just liberate this this area from the, the quote-unquote evil dictator. Um, mm -hmm. And there's still some side questing to be had so if you're interested in that kind of thing it can scratch that itch for you um, there's plenty of challenges for all those mechanics that we described earlier that kind of become obsoleted by Rico's uh, otherworldly jetpack situation um, there's still challenges to run doing uh, ground speed races, ground demolition um, collection campaigns doing water race campaigns, doing acrobatics uh, challenges, and each of those challenges unlock better abilities for Rico so he can uh, carry more ammunition or his boost lasts longer or yeah. cars now have nitro. So if you want to invest time into those challenges to kind of exploit the RPG elements of the game to make Rico a more powerful character in whatever respect you can do those things are they requisite to play through the game to its completion i would say not at all mm, yeah. I, they, they give you everything you essentially need to make it through and the rest of it is you know it's fun if you have to get in a car now your car is equipped with uh nitro jumps caltrops bombs like it, you're just unlocking more capability for your gameplay um, but again a lot of it falls into what what i think is kind of a vestigial is is the best uh d descriptor mm -hmm. i have for it and, and i will continue using that word yeah well i guess that means that we are enthusiastic about people playing just cause 3 you should check it out uh Rob, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day and uh, coming on the show to talk about how dope it is to fly around the jetpack and fight uh, mechs in the middle of a what appears to be Central American island would be. Hey, if you don't make it to the jetpack, you haven't really played the game. <laughs> All right, well, now I, now I have a new goal, and that is to unlock the, what is it, the Flying Fortress? That is damn right. Oh, my gosh. All right, Get awesome. On it. Well. Thank you again so much for taking time to be on the show and uh, uh, give us your your uh, your insights into the world of Just Cause. Oh, no, oh. I do what I can. I'm, I hope that something that I've said was uh, resonant or beneficial or in some way enlightening, but I have little faith in that. Well, we appreciate it. I appreciate it.